0: We have a it's nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB, the phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Y'all, the Super Bowl is on Sunday, and, you know, there's been politics galore, so the 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 Georgia Senate today unanimously passed a resolution urging Georgians to stand for the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Yep. Now, here's the hilarious nature of all of this. The... Georgia Democrats in the state Senate unanimously supported the resolution with the Republicans. It was authored by state Senator David Schaefer, who's running for lieutenant governor. Unanimous support in the state Senate for resolution calling on all Georgians to stand for the national anthem during the Super Bowl. And now the Democrats are saying, we we didn't know we were voting for this. We're sorry because Democrats are upset. Democrats are upset that the, the Democrats in the Senate voted to stand for the National anthems. <gasps> he pulled a fast one on us, that sneaky David Shaver, that sneaky wabbit. <laughs> but it's okay. There's a website for the Senate Democrats. If they're upset with it, someone has created a website. You, you know, I say all the time, I've said on this program, how long have I been on this program now? Seven years, six years, something like that. I've been here for more than half a decade at least. I have said forever that um, the left has begun to treat secularism like a religion. And it has all the trappings. There are sacrifices at Planned Parenthood. Uh, there's absolution. Um, there's, there's sin. Uh, there's on and on, concepts of sin, concepts of God. Government, of course, has got all these things. Well, uh, it, it, one of the, the sins of the secular left is football. And with the Super Bowl coming up, you know, football is bad because there are concussions and it's the, it's the in, enslavement of people. Yes, there are liberals who believe that. They have said it. Go Google for yourself. They hate the Super Bowl. It's bad. Concussions, injury, wealth, white privilege, all of it. So someone has set up a website called A Good Game Donation. You guessed it. Let me just read you the opening. If you feel ambivalent or conflicted about the politics of the NFL but still want to root for your favorite team, consider giving to an organization of your choosing every time your team scores. Or if your team is into the game, when something good happens to the team you hate the least... Use the hashtag, A good game on social media to make your pledge known and see the good work being done by your community. So who can you give money to for absolution for the sin of watching the Super Bowl? The ACLU of Massachusetts. The NAACP Legal Defense Fund. The Southern Poverty Law Center which multiple left-wing terrorists who've shot conservatives support, the International Rescue Committee, the Hispanic Federation for Hurricane Relief in Puerto Rico, and more! Oh, heavy on the and more! And the Trevor Project, which supports youth LGBTQIAAPTA kids. There you go, folks. You can, you can support these left-wing causes and find some absolution, find forgiveness for your sins of watching the Super Bowl. My goodness, it really is a religion. It really is. By the way, we will talk about the FBI memo, uh, the, the Nunes-authored memo. The FBI has grave concerns about the memo. They're calling changes to the memo spin to justify the release. Uh, there are reports that Christopher Ray might have threatened to resign. He is denying those reports. I am not talking to it yet, or talking to it, talking about it yet. And the reason I'm not talking about it yet is because I'm waiting to hear from a friend of mine who has been involved in a major story today about this issue. And I'm not supposed to hear from him until the bottom of the hour uh, because he is tied up in meetings related to this very issue. So I don't want to talk about it yet. Uh, What I do want to talk about, though, is the media is running several other stories today that Donald Trump is going to get us into a nuclear war. Why? Because the president of the United States has decided to upgrade the nuclear, clear arsenal, or as George W. Bush would say, nuclear, the nuclear arsenal. He's going to upgrade it. Uh, He wants to spend money on it. He has proposed it in his budget, except there's a problem. There's actually a pretty serious and substantial problem. Um, And that is that President Trump has done no such thing. Now, I I know the media is telling people that the president has done this thing. I, I know the media would have you believe the president has done this thing. I mean, the, the, the cover of Time magazine this week, President Trump is playing a dangerous game of nuclear poker, making America nuclear again, as George W. Bush would say, inside the Doom Factory. They would tell you. Except there's a problem. This is Peter Baker in the New York Times from May thirteenth, two 2010. President Obama promised Thursday to spend $80 billion over 10 years to maintain and modernize the nation's nuclear arsenal, a commitment that could help win Republican support for his new arms control treaty with Russia. Huh? Yeah, folks, the, the... major stories out today about the president upgrading and expanding the American nuclear arsenal. It's Donald Trump. He uh, the white house sent out press releases. They're taking credit for it. They want people to credit him. Time magazine is crediting him. The media in general, they're crediting. Well, they really, they're blaming him. They're, they're scared of it. But the reality is that Barack Obama did this. Yes, the left doesn't want you to know that Barack Obama was like George Jimmy McBush, Hitler, Halliburton, and and an aggressive, uh, world-changing president who wanted more nukes, but it was not George Jimmy McBush, Hitler, Halliburton, and it was not Donald the Nazi fascist Trump who did this. No, it was Barack Obama-saya, Barack Hussein Obama who did this. It was his program. He started it in 2010. The president now is continuing the program and continuing to make upgrades and looking at some expansion of capacity. But that expansion of capacity had already been considered by the Obama administration's Defense Department and recommended by Barack Obama's Defense Department. And yet, if you listen to the media today, they're blaming Donald Trump. and It's a scary. We're going to get into a nuclear war, y'all. This is why so many Americans don't trust the media. Because they're fear-mongering a story that has a legitimate foundation going back to the era of Barack Obama that they politely ignored back then because their number one goal is always to protect the precious. And the precious is Barack Obama. So now they'll vent and blame Donald Trump for something that was, in fact, Barack Obama's program. Y'all, just let me interrupt here for a sponsor because this one is actually really cool and I'm really excited about them. This is mancrates.com. Now, Valentine's Day is coming up. You may have a significant other. You may be the significant other and you're thinking, I don't want that crap for Valentine's Day. I, I don't want flowers. I don't want chocolate. Ah, uh, good Lord! I, I want something manly for Valentine's Day. Well, Man Crates—either on behalf of your significant other or direct the one who will be buying it for you—to ManCrates.com. I mean, you actually get a a physical crate of stuff. You can get NFL barware. You can get the whiskey appreciation crate. You can get the beef jerky heart for, I mean, or the salami bouquet for Valentine's, all sorts of, it even comes with a crowbar, by the way, this is really cool stuff. Thousands of five-star reviews. <laughs> so they sent me uh, custom engraved pint glasses for beer or whatever. Mine'll be for beer, but nonetheless, you can put, you can put water in them if you want to No, They're actually really good, good quality stuff. Really fun gift to get to because it's a great crate. So what you got to do is you got to go to mancrates.com, dot com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, don't forget the C-K, and you'll get 5% off. Now, they don't offer a discount anywhere else, but you can get 5% off right now at mancrates.com slash Eric, mancrates.com slash Eric, but, 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 but remember, it's mancrates.com slash Eric E-R-I-C-K. Really is awesome. Beer glasses, salami, you name it. Uh, you can get a outdoors gear. It's just awesome selection. Go to mancrates.com slash eric for five percent off. Check it off now. A great Valentine's Day gift, maybe even for yourself. <laughs> After the hour, Eric Erickson here, the phone number 404 872 750 wsb talk We will get into the FBI memo. Uh, there is breaking news at this hour that uh, despite assurances to the contrary, White House aides believe Christopher Ray may resign in protest uh, if this congressional memo is leaked. Um, I am waiting to talk to a friend of mine who has been involved in all of this, and I want to get his thoughts um, before I do anything else, before I delve deeper into the situation. Uh, So just stand by with me. I'm I'm waiting for his call at the bottom of the hour. Um, Tonight at eight o'clock, I will begin the first of our gubernatorial conversations with candidates. Uh, these are not meant to be controversial or rather um, a combative conversations. They're to be probative of the various candidates for governor. There are a number of them running. Uh, Tonight, Brian Kemp, the Secretary of State, will join me. We will talk about his background, his vision for the state, Uh, let him explain the issues related to voter integrity and and a new lawsuit claiming he's suppressing the vote, uh, suppressing Democratic votes. Uh, We will get into a lot of these uh, issues with him and see what issues have compelled him to run. Uh, we'll also be talking with Michael Williams, State Senator Michael Williams, State Senator Hunter Hill, Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle, and the new one of the bunch, Clay Tippins, who's running, uh, Navy, former Navy SEAL. He'll have some legislative endorsements coming soon, I hear, uh, giving him some traction. Uh, so stick around with us. We'll be live streaming it. We'll also be broadcasting it live here on WSB from 8 to 9 tonight uh, after an hour of the Mark Aram show. Now, when we come back, we got to get into other news, and I also do, because of yesterday's hectic schedule and everything else, didn't get a lot of time to get your phone calls. If you still have a reaction to the State of the Union, there is still news about the State of the Union out there, although it's almost faded 48 hours later. Uh, roughly, the, the State of the Union is almost out of the national conversation. Some of you, I think, still wanted to call in and talk about it. You can, 404-872-0750, wsb talk But when we come back, the Nunez memo, the changes that were made, I have been told what the changes were. Uh, some Democrats are alleging, as is uh, some members of the FBI alleging, that uh, it was partisan changes made to the memo to spin, to justify the release. Uh, wait until you hear the memo changes, and then I will let you decide for yourself if you think that the changes made, I, I the changes made, there were about 40 of them, I will tell you what they were, and you can see if you think that they were spin to justify the release of the memo, as some are saying, It is 39 after the hour. Okay. So let's let's for those of you who are on, on hold, um, be patient with me. So I, I if you're just tuning in, a friend of mine has been involved in the Russia investigation and involved in dealing with the Nunez memo and whatnot and promised to call me at the bottom of the hour. We spent a little time on the phone um, just following up on some earlier conversations we've had. And... The earlier conversation we've had, confirmed now by several other media reports, is this. the Some of the critics, including some of the Democrat and FBI critics of the Nunes memo, are saying that changes to the memo were made to, in the, the words of one source on CNN, spin to justify the release. Um, I'm going to tell you the changes to the Nunez Memo. And you decide for yourself if you think that the changes are spin to justify the release. There were 42 changes to the Nunez Memo, I'm told. 40 of those changes were typographical grammatical. For example... Than instead of then in one part of the memo, uh, as a in an if if an if then statement, it, it, there was a then, uh, or there was a then and there should have been a then. Th- there's one. Um, past p a s t and p a s s e d. Um, that was a change. There were some typographical changes and in, in spelling changes. There were two substantive changes. One was a democratic change requested uh, to accurately, more accurately reflect what had happened. It was agreed to. One was a change from the FBI asking for a clarification to something uh, that would have otherwise been viewed as outside the presented chronology. So in other words, it would have made the timeline look off. Those those are the changes. Spelling, typography, grammar are 40 of the changes. One is a change requested by Democrats. One is a change requested by the FBI. Those are the changes. Now, you can decide whether or not that's spin or whatnot. Um, here is what I am told. the There is a story out in the New York Times today that Mark Corallo, who is a PR master in Washington, D.C., he is talking to the Mueller team. The leak had to have come from the from Corallo's friends and, and acquaintances. Why? Because they knew what he had, was going to tell the FBI. And they were making very clear in this New York Times story uh, that what he was going to tell the FBI was that Hope Hicks is a problem, not the president. That apparently, if you will recall, back when the president and team were coming back from Europe, there were questions from reporters about the meeting with uh, Vizelnitskaya, Natalia, Vizel, Vizelnitskaya, Natalia Vizelnitskaya. Man, I can't even say it now after months of getting right. Vizelnitskaya. Natalia uh with Donald Trump Jr. in Trump Tower. That was the meeting that Jared Kushner was at, Steve Bannon was at, and others. Uh, or no, Bannon wasn't at that. Uh, Paul Manafort was at it. And. Uh, there were questions about it, and the Trump team drafted a statement in, in connection with the president on the way back and talking to lawyers, except they didn't talk to the right lawyers. They talked to someone else, and that is part of the probe. And during that time, there was a conversation between Hope Hicks and Mark Corallo and the president of the United States that Corallo was so troubled by that he documented it and told people, and he will be recounting it to Robert Mueller. So... It, What Corolla was going to tell Mueller's team is that he had a heated phone call with Hope Hicks and Donald Trump, and he was urging President Trump to get certain information out publicly. In particular, there were emails that existed about the Vizelnitskaya meeting, and those emails were created prior to the meeting. So Donald Trump, or er, Mark Carallo, one of those emails to be released, preserved at least, and released, and Hope Hicks responded that they would never get out. Carallo, being a guy who worked for the Bush administration, worked in the Justice Department, has worked for Republicans a while, well, he heard that as, we're going to make sure they're deleted. He has told people he's, that's how he took it, but he doesn't know that that's how Hope Hicks meant it, And he has explained to multiple people now that he's not sure, uh, but does need to recount the information to the Mueller team. It will then be relevant whether or not the Mueller team got those emails because Corallo knew they existed. Now, why? Why am I spending so much time on on who is Corallo and why? It It matters this way. First of all, I think this is pretty clearly Mark Corallo, who was the, the communicator for the legal team, signaling to the president that he thinks Hope Hicks is a problem, but also signaling to the president and his staff that the president doesn't need to worry about Mark Corallo. It is what people in his position do, making sure that the boss man is reassured um, that no one's going to be telling on the boss man. He may not work for the president anymore, but he certainly doesn't want the White House coming after him or the White House clients or friends coming after him. And he, he's flagging for everyone here that Hope Hicks is the problem, not the president. Now, I've got to tell you, um, I am some of these sources, the one I was on the phone with, have maintained consistently over the last year that Hope Hicks was a problem in this investigation for various reasons. That uh, they believed she was out of her depth and skill set as the head of communications, and as a result, they very much felt like she was causing the president trouble. Whether that is true or not, whether that is fair or not, is up to you to decide. I'm just relating to you that people familiar with the investigation, involved with the investigation, involved on the in the communication side of the investigation and with the lawyers in the investigation and on the, the congressional side of the investigation looking at it, Um, They have felt this way all along That a lot of the president's staff Including Hope Hicks Were somewhat out of her depth Whether that's fair Or whether it is a Washington pretension That these people haven't been in politics before And we know better Is up for you to decide I'm just telling you That information I think is being related In the New York Times uh, By these people Who want the president to know That he's got a problem in the White House And let the rest of the world know That problem is not the president It is Eric Erickson here. Welcome. 55 after the hour, the phone number, 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Y'all, the Democrats are broke. I mean, really, the the DNC doesn't have a lot of money. Here's here's what you need to understand. Both parties are going through this. The Republicans have been better stewards of their money. Um, And it, it doesn't have a lot to do with successes, even after the 2006 Democratic sweep to take back the the House and Senate, the Republicans were still doing better financially. They tend to. The, the reason is because Democrats these days have been focused a lot on giving money to their candidates, like they flooded John Ossoff uh, with a lot of money. They also have outside uh, institutions that the Republicans don't have, like uh the democracy groups funded by George Soros. Uh, George Soros. The, uh, what? Not Democracy Now. That's that l- lunatic website. Um, democracy for. I can't remember the names of them, but they all call themselves Democracy something or other, and they're all a bunch of uh, authoritarian groups that support left-wing causes. Um, but the DNC still needs money because of ground game and whatnot, and it doesn't have that money. And what are the odds the Democrats are going to be able to take back the House? Next year without it. Well, when we come back, there's some data out uh, that has troubling news for Republicans, but also for Democrats. Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. Stick around tonight at 8 p.m. I'll begin WSB's live lounge conversations with the gubernatorial candidates for 2018. Yes, it is a year of gubernatorial races here in Georgia. The, uh, we'll begin at 8 o'clock tonight with Secretary of State Brian Kemp. Uh, the phone number here now, 404-872-0750, wsb talk I want to spend a little more time on the Nunez memo, um, but before I get to that, there is good news today that I think uh, you should hear. It's not getting a lot of play outside of CNBC, Uh, and that's that uh, the Atlanta Federal Reserve, which tends to do economic projections for the nation, for the Federal Reserve, is expecting that the economic growth rate is going to be 5.2%. That is staggering. Staggering. It is staggering for a lot of reasons, Uh, first and foremost of which is that uh, Barack Obama saw largely stagnant growth when he was president, uh, with growth around 2%, if we're lucky, uh, which is barely growth. It's essentially break-even growth. And major major corporations, when they get used like Apple, for example, a- Apple has had results today, increased sales and whatnot. But it's very, very, very hard for Apple uh, to make a dent in the market now because it sells so much. And to change course, it's got to sell so much more. If it sells fifty million iPhones in a quarter, uh, to really have an impact in the market at all, it's got to do a hundred million the next quarter to, to really make a big deal. In the market, same with the, the American economy. The American economy is so big; it is the largest economy in the world. It is bigger than China's economy, and and people tend to forget that. Uh, it is a huge economy, and because it is so big, it is really economists say we should be happy with three percent growth. If we have, a, if we're doing everything right, we should be good with three percent growth, and we're going to get five point two, perhaps. Meanwhile, the Associated Press. As a story, let me just read you the story so that I get it all right. Headline. Tax bill beginning to deliver bigger paychecks to workers. The contentious tax overhaul is beginning to deliver a change that many will welcome. Bigger paychecks. Workers are starting to see more take-home pay as employers implement the new withholding guidelines from the IRS, which dictate how much employers withhold from pay for federal taxes. Those whose checks have remained the same don't fret. Employers have until February 15th to make the changes. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin has estimated that the new rules will mean more take-home pay for about 90% of American workers. How much extra cash? It depends on several factors, such as workers' income, how often they're paid, and the number of withholding allowances they claim on their IRS W-4 uh, with their employer. Those whose employers were kicked to make the change welcome the extra money, anywhere from a few dollars to a few hundred dollars. Y'all, people are getting bigger take-home paychecks because of the federal tax reform bill. The United States is now a net exporter of energy. In fact, there's another story in the stack of stuff I had today. Where is this? Yes, a U.S. oil production hits highest level in nearly 50 years. Now, we're not seeing a, a huge, Clark was talking about this, we're not seeing a, a, a real decline in gas at the pump rates right now, but it may be coming. And all of these things are trending in the right direction for explosive economic growth. People have more spending money. Gas prices may be coming down. All these things. And as is into this, we're going to have the midterm elections. Now, there are some interesting data out there on how it may impact Democrats and Republicans. So the you've probably heard the Monument University poll. If you listened to the show yesterday, we mentioned it. The generic ballot results, a uh, two-point gap between the GOP and the Democrats, two percentage points, Democrats. Favor. Uh, This is down from, it had been 11% and then 6% in a CNN poll, now 2% here. Listen, there are about 2 billion news cycles between now and November. Uh, And I will tell you, I was talking to a former Democratic member of Congress who lost his seat in the 90s yesterday. And he was telling me that his internal private polling in 94 had him winning 60% in... April, May, June, July, August, and September of the year he lost. And then the last month, month and a half of the campaign, it flipped. And he lost by 10 points. Uh, the wave comes, and it comes pretty quick at the end, and it's all about defining people. And there are so many news cycles between now and then, you can't really take these numbers. And that was, by the way, you should know, uh, back in 1994, as an example, I was uh, that was the first year I really got involved in politics, uh, working on congressional campaigns then when I was in college. And that was a pretty consistent thing seen around the country, is that the polling, and back then polling was pretty, was almost, I mean, eerily accurate because everybody had a landline phone. There were no cell phones. So uh, uh, pollsters all called landline phones and there were no robo polls. There were real operator polls. And all of the polling consistently had the Democrats keeping Congress until about two, two and a half months before. And there was this massive flip. So. Don't look now and say this is going to be the way it is in November. Um, it, that tends to happen. Same thing in 2006. Republicans, on the polling at least, suggested they were going to be okay till the end. Same thing happened in 2010-2014 with Democrats. The polling at least suggested that they would be okay until the last three months. And the reason is most people aren't paying attention to politics right now. Um, but it's going to be harder for Democrats to take back control of Congress. Than they suspected, and they're blaming Republican gerrymandering. They've got a case before the Supreme Court trying to convince the courts to uh, let nonpartisan commissions draw the lines. There's no such thing as a nonpartisan commission, by the way. They're all a bunch of partisan hacks. The Democrats, though, were wiped out in 2010, and that's what's hurt them. If Republicans get wiped out in 2018 and 2020, as many people fear, that's going to hurt them in the redistricting fights after 2020. So you got to be careful on these things. But, 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 and this is key, Democrats have assumed a massive wave, and the Cook Political Report is really breaking down that, you know, they may get 30, 31 seats, they only need 25, and that's, that's a wave for them. But it's not the massive wave that we're hoping, and, and that's probably not enough of a wave to take the Senate, where the odds are really against the Democrats in the Senate. There is one really vulnerable Republican in the Senate up for reelection. That's Dean Heller in Nevada. But there are several really vulnerable Democrats that could offset them: um, Claire McCaskill, uh, Joe Manchin, Heidi Heitzkamp. Um, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Montana. Um, uh Tester John Tester that they they're up for re-election, and they're in states that Donald Trump won. And there are several Democrats in the uh, House that are up for re-election in seats that Donald Trump won, in congressional districts Trump won. So it's not a sure thing for the Democrats, even though it looks like it. I, I got to tell you, I was in a super secret meeting of the vast right-wing conspiracy a few weeks ago. Flew up to Washington and came home, and there is general resignation among most of the conservative leaders that you would know every single person. I was in the meeting with, including some of the White House aides. And there's general resignation that there is a Democratic wave and Republicans need to mitigate against it. I was in a meeting yesterday in Washington of um, business and political types. Uh, It was a super secret meeting, but not of the right. It was a a generic group um, that does good things. And there tends to be a recognition of a wave coming. But Democrats are going so aggressively left, they're losing inability in any ability to moderate. They are calling Republicans bigots. Uh, There could be a backlash, and there are some Democratic strategists who are worried about a backlash as the Democrats go Bernie Sanders left across the nation, even in moderate districts. uh, For some people, it will embolden conservatives who might otherwise stay home, and it will make some moderates think, you know what, I I don't really want to vote for Republican, but this other guy, he's super crazy, so I'm going to have to, and they just might. A brief word on a new sponsor that I'm really excited about for the podcast, mancrates.com. Valentine's Day is coming up. You may want to get yourself something. You may need to get something for someone and you're not sure what to get them. Or you may be tired of the same crummy gifts every year and you want something really awesome. So redirect your significant other to mancrates.com. This isn't like the cheesy cologne sampler or whatnot. Mancrates has curated gift collections for every type of guy, whether it's sports or chef or outdoorsman. You can get the NFL barware crate. You can get the whiskey appreciation crate, or you can get the standard Valentine's gifts, but kicked up several notches, the beef jerky heart or the salami bouquet. All you got to do is go to mancrates.com and they've got a huge selection of things. I actually got uh, custom pint glasses with my name on them for my bar. I have a great bar, bourbon and collection and beer on tap, and these will go great. Chilled glasses for my beer. The crates even come with a crowbar. It's pretty cool. Thousands of five-star reviews. So what do you do? Go to mancrates.com slash Eric for 5% off. And remember, it's E-R-I-C-K, mancrates.com slash Eric. They don't offer a discount anywhere else, though. So you do have to go right now to mancrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K mancrates.com slash eric and you too can get the perfect gift for yourself for someone else or tell someone else to go to mancrates.com slash eric for your valentine's day gift It's Eric Erickson here, 26 after the hour. Let's go to the phones. Martin and Winder, you're up next. Welcome. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So what's going on? Well, I've um, recently experienced um, the increase from the ta- for with, um, getting money back from the taxes. Um, but unfortunately, I've lost that to the increased cost in health care. Uh my employer let us know that we had to uh, both had to uh, increase the uh, share of how much money we're gonna have to pay into our health care. So it kind of offsets. So I'm actually losing about three dollars uh, a paycheck now extra good for, uh, grief. because of the uh, increased health cost well I mean at least with the DexCut, you're not losing more but good grief that's terrible in fact there were a couple people yeah. in the AP article I, I read further down when we went to commercial break who were in the same situation with health care costs going up it it uh, they're either still only breaking even or they're they're losing money which is just crazy. Um, well, I'd rather break even than uh, not lose not, more than I already have. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Uh, it's just it, it's it's amazing though that the Democrats think this was no big deal for people, uh, totally oblivious to the health care costs. Martin, thanks very much for the phone call. Um, it, it really is something to see members of the Democratic Party who were so worked up about forty dollars a few years ago, um, just dismissing a thousand dollars bonus. And extra money in your paycheck each week. And it's all politics. This is why people are so cynical of politics. It is all political, all of it motivated by politics, just like the FBI memo. Here's what's going to happen with the FBI memo. It's going to get released. The president is not going to stand in the way. He's announcing this evening. He's not going to stand in the way. They're going to release the memo. For Trump supporters, it will provide them the ammunition they need to show that the FBI was corrupted and that Donald Trump has gotten a bum deal and they need to shut down the FBI investigation. For Democrats, it will show that the Republicans are corrupt and protecting a a, a corrupt kleptocrat. For the rest of us, it's going to show what you want to say. It's a Rorschach test. Um, of what you want to see in it. The question is, some people are wondering, is it really going to have that much in it? Is it really going to um, have explosive details inside of it? Uh, One of the things, by the way, that uh, is interesting here is Trey Gowdy resigning, uh, and part of it is his frustration over this situation. I'll tell you about it when we come back. Can I just for a moment say that this sucks? I mean, the high today 63, tomorrow the high 41 with a low of 27. I mean, just for Atlanta um, 63, 31, 41, 27, 50, 39, 52, 37, 55, 36. (sighs) I'm, you know, I do, I, I have to admit, I want one more really, really, really good snow. I do just for my kids I want one more really 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 good snow but otherwise I'm 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 really tired of winter my my wife really thought of of going up to to shoot the groundhog today if he saw his shadow cuz she is ready for winter to be over um, my, my wife who never uses bad words, I thought was about to utter a series of expletives last week when she looked at the weather forecast, convinced it was going to start warming up and she could ride her motorcycle again. And yet, no, it's not, it's not happening. Okay. So, um, a new story out in the wires. I got to shift gears a little bit. This day on the FBI. First of all, you need to understand that the white house is saying they're worried. Christopher Ray may quit over this, Christopher Ray being the FBI director, he is sending signals out that he's not going to um, that, that he's not going to quit over whether or not this memo is released. Uh, but some of the White House are still worried. but there's another fear in the White House now and part of me, you know, my gut says and and I'm just I'm putting it that way, my gut says that this story is counterfactual, that it is spin from someone somewhere, somehow. Um and they're they're pushing this out saying that the White House is actually concerned the Nunez memo is a dud. That that's actually a story out at Axios, the Axios website right now. Um, that It is a dud, the Nunez memo, that expectations have been built too high um, and that there's no way the memo can actually live up to the expectations. Part of me agrees with it in the sense that the hype has been built so much. You've got people out there right now who really believe it's going to expose a grand elaborate conspiracy. By the FBI. And I don't think it's going to do that. I don't know what's in it. I I am curious at this point to see it. I'd like to see the underlying classified information it references. But the hype has been built a lot on this. But at the same time, I'm hearing these stories now come out saying, ah, it's going to be a dud. The White House is worried it's going to be a dud. I, I don't think... I think that is some people have recognized that expectations at this point are so unbelievably high that they're having to tamp down expectations a little bit because there really are, even in Congress, there are some people. But take Trey Gowdy, for example. Trey Gowdy is quitting. He does not want to run again. He was ready to quit the last time, and they convinced him to stay. And one of the reasons um, that Gowdy is ready to go is the fight over this memo. Even Gowdy is a, is apparently behind the scenes saying that he had to fight uh, Devin Nunes and others to rein in the expectations and the buildup of the memo. Gowdy is out there saying, hey, there's some there's some concerns that we've got based on this memo, but Gowdy is also saying that's overblown uh, a lot of it. So going to have issues here, folks. Let's see what the memo has to say. We will see soon. By the way, one of the things that uh, the members of Congress are going to do is they're going to release the memo in the congressional record. The reason is because the Constitution says that things that happen on the floor of Congress cannot be prosecuted. Things said on the floor of Congress cannot be prosecuted. So a member of Congress—it's the speech and debate clause—a member of Congress can go to the floor of the House or the Senate and say anything they want to say about anything, and they can't be sued for it. They can't be enjoined from doing it, stopped from doing it. So they're going to put the speech or the memo— into the congressional record because information there is based on classified information, so it's not supposed to be released to the public, and that's the way they get around the lawsuit filed by uh, members of the Department of Justice or others. I mean, the president, I'm sure, would pardon them, but nonetheless, that's how they're going to get around it is releasing the memo in the congressional record where people can read it for themselves in the congressional record. I do have some concerns that both Adam Schiff, who I don't think—listen, I, I am convinced that Schiff is one of the major sources in the media these days against Donald Trump. I am convinced he is leaking like a sieve. I am convinced of it. And they are doing everything they can to protect him, even though he's gotten stuff wrong and gotten egg on the media's face. I am convinced that Devin Nunez and Adam Schiff are two of the most partisan hacks in Congress— And Nunez's uh, colleagues on the Republican side have long thought uh, that he was a hot mess. They, I Listen, I'm just saying, yeah, may, maybe I'm gossiping here, but, I mean, leadership colleagues of Nunes in, in the House and, and conservatives in the House have long thought Nunes was a hot mess, um, a, a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, how is it that both parties decided to put two such partisan hacks in charge of the Intelligence Committee? The thing that is happening here is that it is going to degrade the relationship, the oversight relationship of the intelligence community and, and the Congress. And I don't know, in a time of surveillance, of the surveillance state, we want that relationship degraded when oversight is such a necessity, but it's coming. The Secretary of State of Georgia who is running for governor. Uh, we will be interviewing all the candidates running for governor. Uh, Clay Tippins, by the way, his campaign saying he will have $2 million in his bank account. Um, we're we're doing a, a job here. We've had several different people ask, uh, why can't my candidate come on? And, well, we're looking at polling. We're looking at money in the bank and everything else to... Uh, qualify people for coming on because you know you could just put your name on the ballot if you want to run and it doesn't mean anything yes you're a a candidate for governor but how many votes are you going to get and we have limited space and limited time we can't have everybody so we're trying to do our best to be objective and put on the candidates who actually might have a shot and have some name recognition and ability to raise money uh, and so we will have Michael Williams and Hunter Hill and Casey Cagle and Clay Tippins and Brian Kemp starting tonight. Uh, I, I don't know what has happened in the state legislature today. The adoption bill is moving back to the state Senate, but I got to tell you, I am on my fifth member of the state house who has texted me today to blame Casey Cagle, David Schaefer, and the Senate leadership for screwing up the legislature today. I have no idea. I mean, seriously, I have not paid attention. I got back from D.C. last night. I was so exhausted. I tried to sleep in this morning. Uh, Woke up to the sound of my kid throwing up with a stomach bug. Uh, Got back up here. Only had lunch at like 4 o'clock this afternoon. I have not paid attention to the legislature. But whatever is happening between the House and the Senate, the House members are really hating on the Senate guys today. Um, so something has happened. I'm sure I'll find out overnight and we'll be talking about it tomorrow. What you do need to do is the adoption piece of legislation has gone back to the state Senate. Casey Cagle saying they have a tentative compromise on that piece of legislation, but some house guys are taking shots saying, uh, it's all smoke and mirrors and they're really upset with the Senate. We'll see. Be back here at eight o'clock for Brian Kemp.